is here. like you around the block. I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best, trying to stop guys like me. You've been walking through our life dead. All I am is what I'm going after. to another episode of the Holmes Movies Podcast. My name is Anders Holmes, and I'm joined by my brother Adam, who is not over Skype. He is here in Denmark, and he is a little bit ill. Yes, I've been in... Um, uh, yeah, I was in London before I came to Denmark, and um, went out a lot to the pub, and it was wet, and I definitely had... Many beers, and then came to Denmark. It's also been damp here. I've also had many. It's been windy as fuck. Yes, many things have entered my system, and I've been on two airplanes, and so law of averages dictates that I now have a cold. So I apologise, but it is lovely to be here all the same. Yeah, we've had a nice few days down with our with our mum and uh, friends and everything. Yeah, it was very lovely. Yes. So why am I here? What are we doing? We're uh, doing a. Yes, no, no, I know that. Which one are we talking about? Uh, Yeah, so it's not Scary Movie Month anymore, so we're not talking about horror films or anything like that. Too Uh, bad. That was fun. That was a good good fun. I enjoyed talking about um, Frankenstein, Night of the Hunter, and American Wealth in London, which you can listen to on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud, and all the other places that we have the the podcast on. Other podcast platforms are available. Yes. One assumes. I don't really know. And the film that we're going to talk about today, we were debating about I'm not really debating but we had a hard time trying to figure out like what next film to talk about yeah we we discussed potentially talking about the usual suspects we've also talked about various other films um, a lot of 90s films like I remember we talked about doing The Hunt for Red October at one point and um, the um, I think we we sort of we realised that we'd never really dealt with uh, Michael Mann in any big way no, we haven't actually. We've, I mean, maybe we've brought him up in conversations, but we've never really talked about one of his films that he's done. Right. So, um, yeah. So the film that we've decided to talk about is his film Heat, which originally he did a film. I think it was a TV movie called LA Takedown, which which essentially he is sounds a, like a Grand Theft Auto game. Yeah, it does. It, like I think Heat was like a a remake. Like, a, like I think someone did like a 
comparison of like both versions of on like on YouTube and like seeing because it's basically the same story in the same script. I, I think it was like a TV show idea or something, and then it just didn't work out, and he did it as a TV movie. But then he uh, went back and remade it as a near three-hour film. Yeah, heat, heat, heat. Got what do you got? You got a big ass. <laughs> so yeah, for those of you who may have heard of Heat or haven't heard of Heat actually. Uh, Heat, it was the film that put... It wasn't the first film that they were in, but it was the first film that uh, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino shared a scene together because they both were in Godfather Part 2, but they were they didn't share a scene together. In that I think film. this is a fact that literally everyone knows. Yeah. Um, it's like, what, if you know one thing, it's like, you know, day is night... Sorry, what the fuck am I talking about? Oh, God, my cold has gone to end. Day is light and night is dark. And Robert Pacino... Um, Robert Pacino <laughs> fucking hell! <laughs> In an alternative universe, oh, he's called... Robert Al- Pacino and Al De Niro. Al De Niro sounds quite good, actually. Yeah, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro had never been in a scene together. And, been, and this is what everyone talks about. And everyone talks about how amazing it is. But it's actually uh, the least interesting thing about this film, in some ways. Um, you know... I think there's a temptation to think that, oh, well, this is just an excuse to have uh, De Niro and Pacino playing together um, and you and sort of build the film around that. But it really is, it's, it is it is a lot more than that. I mean, if you want a film that's just uh, an excuse to put uh, Pacino and uh, De Niro together, you need to watch that, uh, what was it called, the, the terrible uh, cop thing. Oh, Righteous Kill. Righteous that, Kill, which yeah, yeah. is a not a good film it yeah. is very so that, bad so that's not it's not just that's not the the like i feel like that's the banner headline with this film but there's there's a lot more happening here yeah it's a very i mean for a very simple story about you know de niro plays a professional bank robber or robber or criminal basically and al pacino plays thief. this i think that's that's, he's the, a thief. that's the term yeah the which term of art coincidentally was michael mann's first film called thief with james khan and then he did Manhunter after that. Have you seen Manhunter? Michael Manhunter. Uh, no, I haven't, but I've heard very many good things about it. Yeah, a lot of people seem to say it's like it's better than Red Dragon. Uh, some people say it's better than Silence of the Lambs, which I find very hard to believe because yeah. Silence really... of the Lambs is perfect. I need to watch that all the way through. But anyway, yeah, so like Al Pacino plays um, Vincent Hanna, who's an LAPD robbery, so, robbery homicide detective. Robbery homicide. <laughs> Robert, <laughs> Robert E. Homicide. That'd be a great name. Yeah. So, yeah, the opening of the film, which I have to say starts off the film very strongly in some ways, because it's Robert De Niro and Val Kilmer, Tom Sizemore, and who is the other... Tom Sizemore. This is like peak Sizemore, this period. Yeah. There are so many great 90s character actors in this film, and Sizemore is... is, uh, He's one of them. He's one of... Yeah, one of many. Um, Yeah, the, the, the opening is great, because you get... You've... You've got this film that... Basically, it's in the great tradition of like LA set crime yeah. epics. So whether that's uh, you know going back to the days of film noir and uh, the Big Sleep and all that, to uh, all the way up to like Nightcrawler, um, and it really sort of bathes in the in the city, and you see all these guys getting up to their shifty uh, dealings. Um, yeah, and all the sort of preparations that they do before the bank robbery and yeah, everything else right. that they do, and then they then they knock over the. Well, it's not a bank, is it? They knock over armored an car. armored car. Yeah. yeah, that sort of starts off the whole movie. And it's one of the things I will say about Michael Mann is that he's really good at directing action 
And I think he's good at directing realistic action in regards to how guns should sound and how people should, you know, work with firearms on sets. Because I feel like, I don't know, I was watching Joe Rogan's um, podcast video. He puts like all the video clips on YouTube and he was talking with a, um, I think it was a Navy SEAL guy. And he has like the Navy SEAL guy has problems with how actors are with guns on film because it's like what are they doing because <laughs> it's like it's completely inaccurate yeah. I love the idea. so you need to hold that like a goddamn soldier <laughs> and just Matt Damon be like oh, sorry <laughs> but yeah no it's like it's just the way the bullets sound and the and everything about it's it it's very visceral isn't yeah, it the, it's very the, visceral the gunfire in this is very loud it's very um, you know when people get shot it really makes a big like you know um axe hitting a watermelon kind of sound and yeah and it's but it's not it's not um you know blood splattered but it's definitely violence that packs a punch mm. in very much uh someone else who's in that tradition not to compare them at all because um you know michael mann is is in a different uh yeah slightly lower league but but uh fritz lang you know the way he directed yeah, yeah, violence yeah. had that similar viscerality you know um and that's probably the first time that someone has compared Fritz Lang to Michael oh actually who knows the inter- <laughs> on the internet anything goes um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah that's that's quite a scene that first robbery yeah it's pretty brutal as well it was it was it's a bit I think it I feel Christopher Nolan watched that first scene and used that for the inspiration for the bank robbery scene in the opening of The Dark Knight because it has that same sort of vibe because it has like one guy who they pick up and then it all goes wrong and everything like that yeah I a mean a little bit there's definitely, I think there's plenty of Michael Mann in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies for sure. Like yeah. that. I think that, as I was saying, like one of the things this film just gets perfectly and kind of helps to redefine for the modern era is the sense of the crew coming together to do a job and then the job itself. Um, and then, you know, but then this, this, you get, you know, the guy gets killed on... Uh, during the robbery, the the they, they pretty much like execute, Ex- execute someone the guys pretty quickly um, yeah. because the, they have they have that one psycho who they've just started working with. Yeah, that was I was trying to find out with the guy. It's yeah, Wayne Grow, who's played by Wayne Kevin, Grow. who's played by Kevin Cage. Kevin Cage. Uh, oh, it's Gage. Like no, oh, it's Kevin Gage. Kevin Gage. Um, yeah, he's he's pretty he's pretty psychotic, and then mm-hmm. they they so they afterwards they try and bump him off, and he escapes. And uh, yeah, they try to get rid of him because they realize that he's a liability, and you know he well he's a psychopath basically. Like yeah, which they show later on he kills like a woman out of nowhere. Yeah, and he uh, he do, he causes a lot of other damage uh, during this uh, incredibly long film. But then we get we get to meet Pacino, who's this uh, wired kind of. Uh, smart well smartly dressed dressed a bit like a used car salesman kind of um, yeah he's a streetwise guy he knows yeah. criminals he's got a bunch of like he's got like a team he's got Wes Studi who's like his partner. another another great 90s character actor yeah, yeah. and uh, Ted Levine Ted as Levine well. yep oh wait was she a big old fat person let's talk about on the other side of the law <laughs> um of course you can use my phone. <laughs> no, we're not gonna do the we're not gonna do the whole thing. Come on. Yeah, okay. Right, in. So put a lotion in the basket. Put a lotion in the basket. Rubs the lotion on it itself no, or else can't. it gets the hose no, again. I can't do this every time. Oh. Yeah. He had a hard time trying to get rolls after that. Oh, Dougie's gonna have a hard time listening to this podcast the way we're going. Um Yeah, so um Well they're investigating it and and also they yeah, they're just. I mean, the thing about Al Pacino is like there's another film going on 
at the same time. You have seasoned criminal Robert De Niro planning a job and then him meeting a girl that he meets in a coffee shop or something like that. And then they form a relationship and then they're sort of setting up the next job and then there's this whole thing with William Fickner. And then then on the side... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think we're getting into one of the problems with Heat, (laughs) which is that there are about 80,000 things happening. Yeah. And about two of them are relevant. Like, there are so many plots going on. There is so much in this yeah. three-hour booyah base of a film that, you know, it's very hard to keep track of everything. It is, you know, it, this is, I think this is the central flaw. There's, there is, a, it, the film is really very, very long and very, very packed full of, uh, um, you know, it, it casts, the, yeah. everyone is, is, is bloody well in it. And, um, and, and so they, they have this, uh, you know, it's this sort of like longest days style ensemble all working through this, um, you know, working yeah. through all their problems. You know, you've got Pacino and his partner having marital issues and Natalie Portman is there. Uh, well, it's his stepdaughter and her yeah. daughter and, and that was all happening. They've got Robert De Niro like making big cutesy doe eyes at this woman uh, who he takes back to his improbably large seaside mansion which he doesn't have any fucking furniture in which is not... I, what's that? Like, he's very, lies low like that? He's very minimalist. And then you have Val Kilmer as well. Who's got having, Val Kilmer, he's got what's he, he's gambling or something, isn't he? Yeah, and then he's also got a girl relationship problems with Ashley Judd. Ashley well. Judd, hello, welcome to the party. And you've got Hank Azaria, who's... who's uh, Mo. Yeah, Mo. And Danny other, Trejo. Yeah, Danny Trejo. Yeah, so, so very, very, very many things happening. And, um, but you know, you've got the central idea, which is guys pull off robbery... Mm-hmm. Go slightly wrong. Then they plan the next one. The next one is also destined to be uh, not, you know, a brilliant success. Yeah, and then and then out of nowhere, while they're like, there's like there's like a moment where they're watching them, and then they realize, oh wait, the tables are turned. Now they're watching those like the cops are watching oh, the robbers yeah. and then the robbers yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they are watching them that's a really good well done well explained you know, the, the, you're right there's that brilliant scene where they're trying to work out why De Niro and his his bunch were um, in a particular place it's like a sort of um, quarry yeah no it's it's. A, I thought it was like a, a, a dock like with um it looks like it's like a work, like a construction site kind of place. It's, I thought it's like a like a cargo uh, loading, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a like a yeah, like a port, not mother. But the other thing is like, who, where the hell are the security guards on the gate on this place? No idea. This is a very it's it's, it's interesting about this film because like a lot of the time the city feels very empty, um, which is you know in a, in a grand Hollywood tradition of um, mm. you know city streets where you have something extraordinary happening and a guy is just reading his newspaper. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so then they they turn the tables. It's one of those. It's one of those set pieces, and it really feels like, um, it it really feels like a certain kind of like when I watched that scene as a teenager, I was like, that's so cool, how awesome! It's like, and then I watched it as a adult, and I'm like, well, okay, you know what they look like, they know what you look like, yeah, good. And then this this um, you know, this whole weird like, um love story pussyfooting around each other thing between Pacino and De Niro happens and it culminates in that scene where they they go for a coffee together because well uh, yeah they're trying well he's it's really weird Pacino is trailing or tailing De Niro like there's like a helicopter and then he's on the highway and then he like stops him like he's like you know stopping a guy from speeding or something and he's like hey how you doing 
You want to go for a coffee? <laughs> yeah. And then they sit in a coffee house, very monotone and just stoic with one another, and everyone just thinks that scene is. Yeah, everyone has a big old like collective wanker of that scene, and it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's. I mean, it's kind it's of an, an interesting idea, sure. But and this whole idea of the cat and mouse game between the the hunter and the hunted, and yeah, of course, you can't just put him in prison because he hasn't. You haven't actually caught him doing anything yet. But yeah, he hasn't done anything. He hasn't. There's that. Well, there's that scene when they're when they're watching them, and then they're in like a a tanker or something, and then one cop like rests up against something, and then. Oh yeah, he makes a noise, and then, and then he makes yeah, a noise, and, they, and, and then the have, thieves and hear them, and they abandon the the, they job, abandon yeah. the whole thing, and then they and then could have saved a lot of lives. That bloke, can you imagine? Can you imagine what would have happened when Al Pacino got hit, got hold of him? Like just, oh my god! Like they never show us that scene, but the amount of shouting, um, and this is that's the other thing. It's like, I mean, we're we're, we're talking about. I mean, the let's go back to the, the performances because there's a lot there too. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, that is a, it. Is a funny th- this. It is an interesting idea, and that is that scene does feel a little bit gratuitous in hindsight, as does in fact much of the the film. Yeah. Um, as as and as nice as it is as an idea, it does also go on a little bit too long, which is an also a, not a bad metaphor. Well, I mean the whole the thing. Movie. I mean, it, it sort of it details their whole lives and stuff, and you know this whole thing about De Niro's code that he lives by, and he he like he which he breaks by the end of the movie when, you know, De Niro, when he's chased into the airport. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, it's like, you know, they, they look at themselves and it's like a couple of regular fellas and things like that. And they they both live by their ways. And, you know, De Niro's like, you know, I do what I do. I take down scores and then you you you, you take down guys like me and stuff. So, But it's, it's interesting know. because this whole code thing, it's, it's all very, it's very... Um, macho it, it's also a little bit of this yeah. um adolescent reading of like the shinto samurai whatever you want to call it you know it's yeah. it it smacks a little bit of the ronin thing which we talked about on the on, on this podcast we talked about ronin and how which is a great it's an, it, it is a it's a great action movie nothing you know absolutely mm. nothing wrong with it as an action film but it does uh it does slightly overplay the whole samurai thing yeah. Um, but you know, oh, careful. Uh, just whacked my microphone. Um, is it still recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, okay, it's still good. good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. It does run into that issue of like, do we need to spend all this time like looking at each other and talking about our code of of morality and our like you know way of life? And it's like, well, actually, like De Niro seems to spend a lot of time just sort of making shit up as he goes along. Like he gets into a relationship with someone who he he does not know, and he uh, you know like just has this enormous house as we've mentioned with no furniture in it but also on the beach in fucking southern california like who who has that yeah it does i mean from what i remember there was it was hard to really connect with even with the bad guys there was there was really you could there was there was hard to like have so, any emotional connection with any of the characters a little bit if there's if there, you can you can emotionally connect i think to to al pacino's character because he's 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 a driven Man, he's probably a bit of a cunt. He's yeah. he's a foot. He's he's probably he's like a raging torrent of stuff, um, but it's all relatable. Like he's he's desperately trying to put together a marriage. He's obsessed with capturing the the bad, guy. bad guys, and he see how much he cares when he uh, comforts that um, the mother of the mother of the murder. Yeah. He spends a lot of time shouting. I can relate to that, um, and. Um, 
and you know he he has a sort of he he is driven in a way that's quite plausible. De Niro, on the other hand, is either boring a lot of the time in this film, just like you know what they rob stuff, you know. So you never want and then he's like, you never want in a regular type life. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Barbecues and ball games, <coughs> right? Like, um, he he's so um, he does seem quite sort of blank. Like he doesn't have seem to have a great passion beyond um, robbing people. R- right, exactly. And um, yeah, there's no. I think you know a lot of these like crime films and stuff like they're doing something you know if, if you mean looking at like something like Point Break there's a reason why those guys are rubbing all those banks it's not for the money it's for the rush and also it's their whole like sticking it to the man and you know fuck the fuck the establishment kind of thing or like you know some people you know in other films they rob banks to like pay off a debt or something like that or like in Ocean's Eleven you know he's you know George Clooney's wanting to get his wife back sort of thing yeah with this it's just like you know every time when there's that scene the first time you see him in his very minimalist apartment by the coast he's it's looking not an apartment. it's a full-on house it's a full-on it's house. like one of the houses from from you know the it's like the classic Hollywood uh, house. The, the, the house that like it's like jackie treehorn's house you know yeah exactly and he's you know and there's a you know he's looking out of the water and stuff but like why is he looking out there? Is it just so that Michael Mann can just put more blue into his movie? Yeah, and, and it's it's really just to, because they decide, right, in this film, Patino is going to be shouty. De Niro's going to be And quiet. De Niro's going to be broody. And this is the thing, because, you know, we've got halfway through talking about the plot. And this is, there's this, there's this um, midsection of this movie that just sags. It's like a big bag. Like, the, the, yeah. the beginning and the end are quite taut, I'd say, especially the beginning. Yeah. And then there's this huge, like, flabby belly of the middle that really needs to do some sit-ups and trim some fat. And then you then but then we have the the robbery scene. But before we get to that, I just I want to agree with you. Like I don't Robert De Niro's character in this is so dull because like he doesn't seem to have any real motivations and he doesn't do anything beyond yeah. preparing for the job. Whereas Pacino, when he's not at work, he's trying to fix the his marriage. The the misery that he's caused by not being at work. Yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, so then they do the bank robbery and that is uh that's a pretty... And then you get the president from 24. Uh, what's Dennis Haysbert. Dennis Haysbert yeah. uh, is, is there. Who you, and, f- uh, who you forget is in the film for like... He's in like two scenes in throughout the whole film and then he shows up as like... He's like a criminal who's, you know, on parole and he's given this job at a diner and he's, you know, getting, been, he gets, gets shit from his boss and he doesn't like it and he's in yeah. a relationship with a girl and I think he's... I think, you know, that whole thing about criminals trying to rehabilitate and get themselves back into society, I think he's struggling a bit with that but then he goes back when... You know, coincidentally, um, De Niro, they know the guy and they're sitting in the same coffee shop that he works at. And then they end up uh, tagging him along. And then he, spoiler alert. Yeah, probably probably gets killed. <laughs> um, dies. Hmm. I mean, so, it, again, that's just one of the myriad tiny plots in this in this huge... Uh, um, but it just, it, just show, it just shows you that he was trying to do... Michael Mann was trying to do a TV show, but he couldn't do it. So he ended up, do, he ended up doing a three-hour movie. Right, and 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 in some ways you can say it's it's a pretty much a testament to Michael Mann that he managed to cram as much in as he does because the way we already we've already talked about like eight different plot lines and uh, mm. and, and you know they are all in the film. Um, it's just that it starts to get very exhausting. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel like yeah even le- everything leading up to the bank robbery. It's all like there's the the build up is kind of it's gotten saggy. It's not as like. Yeah, and it's interesting, and, you, and you're, you're not losing interest in what exactly is happening. And you're sort of quote unquote getting to know people, and uh, but you're not really getting to know anyone. 
except um, Pacino. The Pacino and, and to some extent, you know, De Niro's character because he's got his love story and that's the way he expresses himself and, and Pacino's just going around shouting at everything that moves. And, um, and then also Val Kilmer as well because, you know, he he's... Well, he's on the poster as well. He's almost treated like the third lead of the movie in some ways. Oh, yeah, he totally is. Like, and, um, um, and and so, um, but yeah, so the bank robbery is a really great scene. There's that incredible shootout. Mm. Um, which I fi- which I think after the movie came out, there was a huge, there was a North Hollywood, uh, they called it the North Hollywood shootout. There were two guys who watched Heat and decided to get a bunch of guns and just rob oh, stuff. And then they got really? into a huge shootout. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. It happened a few years after that. It was televised and shit like that. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, a very good argument for an immediate assault weapons ban. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, um, and I think I think actually that that shooting, it might not have been the North Hollywood shootout, but it could have been the. It, there was some different. Um, it was and it was in the nineties as well because it did lead to a, a ban on assault weapons, which obviously then expired under George Bush and is now no longer in place. Much to um, yeah everyone's uh, disquiet who cares about not being shot in public places but mm. um it's um it's a hell of a it's a it's a big old action set piece isn't it and it's yeah. all um it's all without music and it's all on location in the downtown LA and and not, it's all on foot like there isn't a big stupid yeah, yeah. car chase and there isn't they just do this really yeah. tense tight yeah, uh, they're all like you know Pacino and Robert De Niro you know, I don't know how old they were at the time but they're you know running and doing all this kind of crazy stuff and it's like pretty pretty full on oh yeah and uh, there's that famous thing about um, Val Kilmer changing his clip or reloading the gun while on the run yeah. which apparently was used in some uh, training video or something on, or at West Point or at least it has been cited as like a, di- a, a really good example of how to, do, to perform that particular action um, yeah exactly <laughs> and uh, yeah we lose a couple of guys I think the police lose one guy, Ted uh, Levine, Ted Levine gets it, and uh, Tom Sizemore gets and it. And Tom well. Sizemore, um, get Pacino does for him, and um, and so you know, two two characters in in, in this enormous film. Uh, yeah, but then it like it, then it then it drags on even more because then it's right. all about Robert De Niro, you know, trying to tie up some loose ends and go on the run because you know Danny Trejo gets killed by Wayne Grow or someone in connected with him, and then William Fickner, who's like this boss guy, because because. It was like a whole thing with like William Fickner where he decided to screw them over and then Wayne Grove tells them about this bank job and then he rats them out and then De Niro... Yeah, it's all very complicated because William yeah. Fickner's some kind of sleazy businessman type. Yeah. And... Um, Proper William Fickner role. And, his, and he's got that, that bodyguard who's played by the guy from Black Flag. Yeah, uh, Henry, Henry Rollins. Yeah. Um, which is also, <laughs> again... Um, <laughs> Random. <laughs> and so... And yeah, and... and and that so that adds another layer, and Wayne Grove is still kicking about, and so the whole film becomes, um, uh, becomes you know about Robert De Niro's uh, fixation with uh, killing off uh, this guy who looks like Charles Manson, and um, yeah, a bit more muscly, uh, uh, yeah, sort of muscly, taller version of of, of Charles Manson, which he eventually yeah. does, uh, but it doesn't, it Look doesn't, at me. and yeah, doesn't doesn't end well, yeah. um, and then you you have the the shootout on the runway which is um or on the in the in the airport where you've got it reminded this me it reminded interplay me. of lights and yeah. shadow and it reminded me a little bit of bullet when steve mcqueen chases the bad guy off the plane and then into the you know in the runways and stuff in the in in that film yeah and and 
I mean the 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 sort of I get the concept behind me. It's definitely a fun idea with the with as I say the lights and shadow and stuff. But I I do not I I it's a weird kind of it the film sort of fizzles out. There's this very frenetic build up to that where yeah. um, you know De Niro's running around and and Pacino's chasing him. He's like two steps behind him, um, but he's gonna get there. And then he he has to do that heartbreaking thing where he walks away from uh, this woman who he's just met, Amy uh, Brenneman. Yeah, right. Yeah. I did. I, I was just looking on the IMDb page. Um, Amy Brenneman, who played Edie, disliked the script and didn't want to be in the movie, saying it was too filled with blood with no morality. Michael Mann told her that with told her that with that mindset she would be perfect for the role of Edie. Right. Yeah. I mean, and also, you'd, you'd probably made all right dough on this. Yeah, I, I think she did, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it, it is, a, it, and so, yeah, it's, I feel like the film kind of just sort of comes to this end, which I think is supposed to feel kind of grand and meaningful, but ends up just feeling a bit like, well, what have we learned? Like, a bunch of people have died. Yeah, because he sits Money's... with him and holds his hand while he's dying and stuff. Like, But there's no any kind of relationship that they've been built up. It's not like... It's not Luke and his father or anything like that. It's just a cop and a guy he's chasing. There's, there's yeah, no, and what, there's and no relationship is, between those characters. And the, and the explanation for why he has to... Like, why De Niro feels the need to go down shooting like can't go to I mean he seems to already have been to prison once I mean now of course he's he's killed a bunch of people and yeah. so that's but like it's not as well explained like I feel like in in another film where that sort of ending happens is uh you know the the taking of Pelham 123 where yeah, yeah um Robert Shaw's character kills himself at the end of the film because the job's been a failure but you've there's something in Robert Shaw's performance throughout the movie that tells you that he cannot go to prison he will either yeah. succeed or he will die um but it on his terms and that you totally believe that you totally believe the performance i don't mm. get the same sense from de niro in this film and there's just something weird about the fact that he's just been like in the deadly gunfight with uh pacino then he gets shot and then he just sort of lies there meekly dying rather than like you know he doesn't do the the, the dark the black knight from the from the um you know just but a scratch the three kings yeah, exactly. for the half oh, three kings the holy grail uh you know it's um it's all very odd so i i don't know and, it, and then it just leaves all this sort of mess of a of a crime um landscape and it feels just like you've had a bit too much like you know when you've had a bit too much to eat yeah it feels like that you feel full and you feel a bit uncomfortable you feel a bit sick um even though along the way, very much uh, there was very much to like, uh, so so yeah, it, it, it is. It's um, it's an interesting thing because I do yeah. basically like Heat. I rewatch it every once in a while because it is a well-made epic movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, but I it, mean, but might, you, yeah. you scratch the surface a little and you encounter a lot of problems. Yeah, when when you look at it from. A different perspective i think the first time you watch it is like oh de niro and al pacino in a movie together and then when you watch it it's just uh yeah. a few issues here <laughs> in this film right great yeah um yeah i mean the stick to Godfather part two if, if you really want to see the, uh but um and if you really like it right just kill well, well no. uh, yeah if you but 
I suppose, you know, we're talking uh, around the time that The Irishman has come out, which is supposed to be excellent. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, how that's that's been getting a lot of positive uh, positive buzz. And um, I'm seeing it next week on uh, in the cinema, and I'm really looking forward to it. And from what I've heard, for a three-hour movie, it flies by really quickly. Yeah, not something you can say about uh, Michael Mann's... Uh, yeah, you can really feel its length. Yeah, and it really weighs on you. Um and there's, as I say, even talking about it now, just like reliving the film, because it's been a couple of years since I watched it. Yeah. Um, but it just, yeah, there's there's just so many scenes. It does feel like he, it, it, it feels like a, 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 I don't know, maybe it, it feels like a lot of t- episodes of a TV show. And it's like, and it's, it's, it's whole season run, like the beginning of season one, and then the armored car robbery, and then whatever season it went on for the bit of scene in the airport yeah, or no, and it or just even feels like, like and it feels like the greatest hits of all the episodes that played up and during that season or even, run or even like it could be it feels a little bit like um like a 10 episode crime drama you know like mm. like the bridge or the killing like yeah, you know, yeah, those yeah. Scandinavian crime dramas where there's all these different plots um it, yeah, it definitely feels like it would do better as a as you know like a you know something like similar true de- to true detective yeah true detective say, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah. um, but I, I think we've been a bit hard on it at the same time. But there are a lot of there things are a lot to of good enjoy, things and I love I love some of the. I mean, it's so easy to sort of mock Pacino, but this was like in for his... this performance, you know, because it's so it's so in that like swaggering, shouting, like eyes popping out of his head. It's like, but who who who? What are you a fucking owl? <laughs> yeah, um, and I feel like this and um, Center Woman really are those. The peak kind of shouty Al Pacino. Well, I mean, the nineties was just filled with Al Pacino just just chewing the scenery in that in that thing. From I've been, I read like a review for the Irishman, like him and Pesci, Joe Pesci, they're like competing for scene chewing in that film. In the oh Irishman. God, really? Yeah, and um, which I'm excited to watch. But like, the, there was another film that came out in the nineties about a couple of years afterwards, um, The Devil's Advocate, with Keanu Reeves playing a deep South lawyer who's brought to New York to you know be a part of this prestigious law firm. And as it it's spoiled in the title, you know Al Pacino's the devil, and he he just goes on these really long monologues where he's talking about God and him and his relationship with God and stuff like that and he just like just chewing the scenery and just shouting and just being like he's an absentee landlord <laughs> oh my god um yeah he's um there's yeah there's 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 we've come a long way from uh, uh dog day afternoon um but yeah, well, okay so he, <laughs> he does some shouting at that as well but you know what I mean like the it feels like well, he does younger... in his first movie Panic in Needle Park yo I was gonna marry you. <laughs> okay, so maybe it is just consistent. Yeah, like, you know, because it's, it's like you know the old Rob Brydon bit about like what I want, you know, what's most important for me, and and uh, and then uh, and then he goes from that to her. Had a great ass. <laughs> Apparently, he improvised that bit. Oh my god! And like Hank Azaria's reaction is pretty genuine. Um, yeah, uh, it's um. Uh, yeah, what can you what can you say? What do you got? <laughs> um, it's uh, it's all it's all very it's there's there's it's it's enjoyable. That's the thing. Yeah. You, no matter how silly and overblown it is, in which it you know undoubtedly is the case. Like there's mm. something spectacular and bombastic about Pacino that feels you know you just can't help but smile. 
Yeah. Like, it's like, you know what he's doing and you know how, it's like, he's like the sort of Jose Mourinho of actors in that way. It's like, <laughs> you know, well, come on, like, you know, we all know what's going on, but you can't kind yeah. of, you're sort of fascinated at the same time. And I'm not implying that, um, like, there's any, he has any character defects, uh, unlike Jose Mourinho, of course. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it is just, you, you, you find yourself watching it and enjoying his, his over the topness. And, and that's why I get, frustrated more with De Niro's character who's left to kind of wither on the vine with this rather dull love story mm. yeah he's not given that much to do in the movie a little bit um, so basically yeah I, I say it's one of those big fat 3 out of 5 you know definite points for visuals definite points for like the, the chutzpah the setting mm. the action is astonishingly good um, but I I do oh the last time I watched it I was really keen for it to end about an hour before it did yeah yeah I think it goes on too long it could easily I mean I mean also the thing about these days people talk about length and like why does it happen like you know if you look at like a bunch of action films nowadays like people like I always go on like Wikipedia and you know people say like you know critics you know liked the performances and the action scenes but uh, criticized the runtime and you know like and like why do films why does a film need to be two hours long like can it be shorter can it be like 90 minutes does it like what what do you why yeah. do you need to stretch films out that, that well some long? films do need to be long i mean yeah, lots I mean, of arabia it needs to be the length it is uh yeah I mean, like for for some for particular type of films like does it need to be two hours long do you need that little bit of that little last little quarter or do you think you could just can yeah you, you, you don't you don't concise. see many films that are an hour and a half anymore that's for sure uh not in the sort of you know the 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 great Hollywood tradition, like an hour and a yeah. half, is like bog standard length for anything that isn't a quote unquote epic. Um, yeah, exactly. And then you know that changes, of course. Like there are, and there are, you know, but there are great films from the nineteen thirties and and forties that are an hour long. Mm. You know, Frankenstein is. I mean, like, look if you look at like some of the Marx Brothers films, they're done in like seventy minutes. Oh yeah, but I mean, that would be unbearable to watch that for anything more than you know, <laughs> your head would be spinning. Yeah. Um, Too many piano playing and harps. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you, I, I mean, can see you now bending over a hot stove, except I can't see the stove. <laughs> Nobody can outgun two gun quail. Um, uh, I feel like we've gotten ourselves off track again. Yeah. Um, but no, so I, I mean, that's basically where I, that's my verdict on Heat. Yeah. Um, have you seen any other Michael Mann films? I have. We've... Uh, Last of the Mohicans. Last of the Mohicans is a particular favourite. I think mm. we should uh, speak about at some point. Yeah. Um, and, and I love Last of the Mohicans, but I'll leave that. I, I feel like we should do a different podcast about yeah. it. Yeah. I've seen not all of his movies. I've seen many of his, like... I've seen bits of, of, of Manhunter and... From what I saw, I liked. There were some aspects of it I quite liked. Um, I, I saw the Insider, which he did with Al Pacino and Russell Crowe, the, the which right. which is an okay film. Again, that film you can really feel its length. Like it's a two and a half hour movie, and it feels like the same length of Heat a little bit. And it's like a courtroom. Yeah, it's yeah. like a courtroom uh, film. It, it, Russell Crowe plays a guy who worked for a tobacco company, and then he. And uh, opportunity plays a news guy who worked for CBS at sixty minutes, and like then talking about like nicotine being addictive and things like that. It's it's a good film, but it it does drag a little bit. No pun intended. 
Uh, yeah, uh, no, it's it's like big tobacco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. courtroom drama, not really courtroom drama, but it's legal thriller, as they call it. Oh right, yeah. So I thought for some reason I thought Pacino was a lawyer in that film. Well, anyway, I haven't seen it, so it's a good film. I think it's worth checking out. I think hip, like again, Pacino shouting in that <laughs> in that as well. But I didn't see I didn't see Public Enemies, uh, which is a very again. I think he was trying to sort of find the magic of heat in a gangster well, what epic. is the magic of heat that's the thing that's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah he was trying to get like he was trying to get like you know two big actors johnny depp and christian bale and yeah the action scenes are you know realistic enough and everything like that but i think what ultimately does bring that film down a little bit is that it's the way it's shot the uh, uh the cinematography i think the digital yeah cin- right. the digital cinematography just kind of ruins the the the, the period the feel of it yeah he's he's definitely i mean you can you get a sense from him that he considers himself something of an auteur and yet you know he's not really put the stamp on modern cinema in a way that others have you know i i think that you know i do think heat is incredibly influential and that shouldn't be overlooked but i think he probably envisioned himself being more seminal than he is and probably I mean I don't know anything about the man's character but there's just something in the films there's something intentional in the films about that they, they feel like they want to be monumental whereas actually they're just yeah. big yeah like, there's mean, a difference between being big and being a monument yeah I mean Colin Farrell because he worked with him on the Miami Vice movie and he I think he was a bit mixed about his experiences with that film in regards to like I thought this was going to be a lot bigger than it was than what it turned out kind of thing even though some people do quite like that movie I think the film that I've what, never seen it uh, yeah again that is a film that's going like what is happening <laughs> like what is the storyline a little bit um, very flashy and very well made but ultimately a little bit soulless I think the film of his that I really like which I consider to actually be a, a very f- good film and I actually would say it's actually one of my top favourite films is the uh, Tom Cruise movie Collateral I actually think that's a really good film. I've never seen that. I think just because the script is really good. I think, I mean, it was originally written by Stuart uh, Beattie, who was an Australian uh, screenwriter who came to America. And originally, Russell Crowe got a hold of it and wanted to star in it. But that didn't happen. But um, I think Frank Darabont, who wrote, uh, who directed The Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile and The Mist, I think he might have did some uncredited rewrites on it and stuff like that. But whoever, you know, did the script or Michael Mann did a little bit I don't know but it's a really good script and I think just the characterization is really good it's where I think because he's you know he's only he's focusing on two people in like a really small space in a taxi cab and he's really getting a sense there's a cat and mouse thing going on where you know there's like one really good scene where it builds up and boils down to where they both sort of poke holes in each of their ideologies and the way that they live and stuff but isn't that I mean I haven't seen it but it does sound like I mean I'm picturing the same thing transposed onto heat and it just becomes a little bit unbearable after a while it's like okay stop talking like it's all this sort of weird cod male psychology like it's i think it works well i think it's a bit like speed once they're out of the cab then it then it sort of loses a bit of steam slightly like you know once the bus blows up then then you oh fucking hell i haven't seen that (laughs) sorry i'm not unlikely to anyway all right um so should we leave it there for heat yeah I mean, definitely recommended. Gets our seal of approval. It just, uh, you need a, you needed some time. Yeah. Come on. Did you fall in love last night? You went off somewhere? Vince. Just tell me that. I'll, I'll settle for it. You know what I mean? I'll buy that. 
Vincent. Give me all you got! Vincent. Give me all you got! I swear, man, my brother, man, my brother, my brother Richard's gonna talk to you. Man. I heard Richard. Hear me, he'll meet you at BJ's on Alvarado at 2 a.m. Be there. You be there too. Vincent, I can't be there, man. I, I got things to do, Vincent. I got things to do. I got I got places to be. I got to be there. Don't waste my motherfucking time! Birthdays and recommendations now. Uh, what well, at the same time? Oh, well, let's do recommendations first, and then we'll move on to birthdays. Uh, what are you going to recommend me? I recommend that you go and see Motherless Brooklyn, which I have just watched in the cinema, and it's mm. a very fine movie. It's uh, it's got its problems, of course, but it's a, a lovely, uh, caringly made, you know, made with a lot of care, um, you know, beautifully rendered. A vision of old New York mm. in the 1950s. It's a great throwback. There's some lovely performances in there, um, and um, you know, it's not gonna, it won't change your life. But it's a, it's a great, you know, it's a, it's a lovely little. I said lovely three times. It's a delightful, nostalgic film that feels like, um, it feels like the type of film that it's trying to emulate, which is great. Mm. And um, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Go see it. And uh, if you can, go see it in the cinema. Yeah, I like Edward Norton, so I, I definitely would like to check that out. Yeah, Ed, he's great, actually. Mm. Yeah, I think he direct he directed it as well. That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, what am I going to recommend you? I'm going to recommend you a film, one of the films which I've seen uh, fairly recently, which is the um, new film from the guy who directed The Witch, um, Robert Eggers, uh, The Lighthouse with Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Oh, I really want to see that. That is a fantastic film. It looks film. so so up my street. I'm so happy that I got the chance to see that film because it, I it it's actually playing in this four day festival that CPH Picks is doing um, at the moment, and um, I'm going to go see Jojo Rabbit tomorrow, which is part of the same festival, the Taika oh, Waititi yes, film, yes, which I've also been really excited to watch as well. I, I think he's a great director, um, but no, Rob, this movie, like, if you're a fan of like weird, like you know Moby Dick meets HP Lovecraft type films ha, yeah, yes I am I am a fan of those things <laughs> then this is very much up your alley and I read a bit of the script it's available on on a website called I think it's called Simply Scripts because it's I think it's for like the, it, it, they get all like the Oscar scripts like all the ones that they try to send in for consideration and stuff and it's on mm. there and it's, it actually says in the script that it has to be shot in black and white and shot on a on this particular aspect ratio that makes it feel like it's a film that made in the 1930s. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Oh gosh, that just sounds so up my street. Yeah. Can't wait. Like Willem Dafoe, he, he's a, it's interesting because especially with those two actors, they're, they both have two different types of acting and I think it just works really well and it blends really, it, it, it's so fantastic. I, I do have a lot of respect for directors who can, you know, can make a film with, you know, one or two a actors and make it really in engaging and interesting and keep it going for, you know, it's it's nearly a two-hour film, but it, it, it 
you're just there going like I, I just want to see where this goes yeah oh wonderful well I can't wait to see it yeah it's a fantastic film one of my favourites of this year I'm very I'm very pleased I got to see it so birthdays now top of the list happy birthday to Lisa Bonet who was uh, famous for her role in The Cosby Show she played Denise Huxtable and she was also in Enemy of the States directed by Tony Scott with uh, Will Smith and Gene Hackman have you seen that? Yes, I have, actually, a long time ago. Yeah, and she's also in uh, High Fidelity, and she also starred in... Which I've also seen. ...in uh, Angel Heart with Rob De Niro and Mickey Rourke. Which I have not seen. And uh, her role in that film, I think, got her fired from The Cosby Show. What does she look like? Uh, she... Looks... Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like I've, I feel like I recognise her. She's married to uh, Jason Momoa. Uh, oh. Yeah. Uh, happy birthday to uh, Missy Pyle. You'll... Missy Pyle? That sounds like... Ugh. She's been in a lot of like comedy stuff. Uh, she was in The Artist. Uh, she was in Galaxy Quest. You'll recognize her from uh, from Gone, Gone Girl. She plays that Nancy Grace newswoman. Oh, right. Why is she second on the list? I don't know. Uh, happy birthday. I've, I've been in the same room as this woman. Uh, happy birthday to Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, what were you doing in the same room with Maggie Gyllenhaal? I went to the Berlin Film Festival and she was on the jury there with Paul Verhoeven and and they were doing a talk together. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, Paul Verhoeven, he's a great well, director. Well, she's a wonderful actress, Maggie Gyllenhaal. She's great. And um, what, what, what's your... What do you think? What, what, what's your favourite film with her? Do you... Well, you know what? I haven't seen Secretary, uh, but I've, I love her um, in Crazy Heart, for sure. Mm. And uh, I really like her... Uh, appearance in um, Paris Je T'aime yeah that's a good film as well I liked her in a film that came out last year called The Kindergarten Teacher she was great in that film that's a, a very tragic but very good film uh, happy birthday to CSI actress uh, Marg Helgenberger who played uh, Catherine Willows in CSI uh, Crime Scene Investigation or CSI Las Vegas if, just to know which one it is right okay and she was in Species Aaron Brockovich and Species 2 which was one of the films that Michael Manson did not like working on okay uh, happy birthday to Michael Irby who is um, who was in the second season of True Detective and he's recently been uh, he's been in the TV show Mayans uh, MC which is the Sons of Anarchy spin-off he plays the head of the uh, the biker group there he's called Bishop okay uh, Burgess Meredith oh yeah Burgess Meredith yep he's a, a fine actor he's uh, Mickey and many, Rocky yeah he was in he was in lots and lots of things and he was in uh, Clash of the Titans from 1981 yeah but I think if you go further back um, you've I think his his uh, his filmography is it's pretty um, it's pretty cool I mean um, let me just see could you mind scrolling down on this screen for me yeah sure that we are both looking at uh, what are we on now? 1977. No, no, no. I think he's. I think he's a, because he's really from the golden age of Hollywood. Look, 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 look. Yeah, he's in one of the original adaptations of *A Mice and Men*. Oh, he was in. Yeah, he's in the and he's in the story of G.I. Joe. That's right. Yeah, he plays Ernie Pyle. That's right. Isn't that the one Robert Mitchum? He got an Oscar nomination for that. Film. He did. Yeah, yeah. he's one and only. Um, so yeah, no, he's been he's been in a a ton of. Um, um, you know, a ton of stuff. He's one of those kind of legendary figures. Mm. 
I guess it's like most of the really Important to point out that he's, he's probably dead now. Uh, happy birthday to Pete Davidson, who is a comedian and uh, actor from SNL. Okay. He was uh, going out with Ariana Grande recently this year. Well, good for him. Yeah. Um, happy birthday to Clue uh, Gallagher, who... Um, I know from two uh, horror films, uh, two well-known horror films, Return of the Living Dead, which is a ball, a proper 80s uh, horror film. And he's also in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, which is a very interesting uh, film in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And, oh, Last Picture Show, he was in that. Oh, who's he in that? Uh, He plays a character called Abilene. 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 Oh, I can't remember. Oof, I have to to go back and re... Uh, revisit that mm. and he was recently in the new Tarantino film happy birthday to actor Royal Dano oh he's so good he's wonderful he's in he's in all the movies uh, from well he's in a bunch of um, uh, of old westerns he was in um, he was in the Outlaw Josie Wales he was in the Outlaw Josie Wales before that he was in um, the the Anthony Mann in, 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 and I think most of the Anthony Mann James Stewart ones. Uh, well, mm. well, certainly, I, reckon, I remember him from uh, Bend of the River, uh, and uh, re- he's really, really good in uh, Man of the West. Oh yeah, that's the Gary Cooper Western, isn't right? It? Exactly, which is which is really, really good. And actually, uh, did we talk about Man of the West when we did our Western special? I don't know because <laughs> I, I feel like we might have overlooked it, which would be a real serious oversight because that is a very, very good film. Yeah. Uh, happy birthday to actor Miguel Sandoval, who is one of those guys you've seen him in like everything. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He's in. He was recently in the TV show Sharp Objects. He's Ernesto, um, the drug dealer in Clear and Present Danger. He's also in Jurassic Park, and he's Mister Escobar in Get Shorty. He's Mister Escobar. He's the guy who's like, he's my sister's son. No father, not too bright. Personally, I think he's a retard. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's been in everything. He's, very, he's in a couple of episodes of The West Wing, I think, as well, which is great. Is he? Uh, yeah, he plays a, um, a lobbyist on behalf of uh, Latinx people. Okay. Happy birthday to James Parks, who was the son of Michael Parks. He was the uh, Earl McGraw, uh, the guy who played Earl McGraw in the Tarantino movies. Okay. And he's also he's son number one in Kill Bill Volume One. He's the guy that's you know explaining. You know, you know when Michael Park shows up in the at the church after the massacre, he's like, "Some number one, give me the gore details," and he's the guy explaining who's, oh. who's that guy. And he's appeared in quite a lot of of Tarantino's movies as well, but you know, playing different characters. He was in um, he was in the Hateful Eight. He's the stagecoach uh, driver in that film. Oh right, okay, yeah, yeah, and um, he's appeared in a couple episodes of The Walking Dead. Oh, this is he's in the new season. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, Django Unchained, Red State with uh, Michael Parks as well. So, yeah, done a lot. Cool. Happy birthday. Oh, uh, I, I'm not too familiar with um, this uh, director's work, but I do want to check out some of her films because apparently they're supposed to be really good. Uh, Alison Anders, who did a film called... Uh, she was one of those, like, Sundance 90s filmmakers, like, kind of came up with, like, Tarantino. And I think she was in a relationship with Tarantino, which um, is talked about in the... Uh, Peter Biskin book Down in Dirty Pictures which looks at like the birth of Sundance and uh, the Weinstein brothers and Miramax and all those directors that kind of came up in that period and the name is literally Anders so you really have to like yeah. <laughs> that I do Charlene Shaherless who? 
Who? Who? Were you a fucking owl? The lady you've been talking dirty to on telephone every day last week. Yeah, all right. You know what? You can't tie me to her. Yeah, well, who needs to? Because your ass is on a plane back to New Jersey, Jagoff. Oh, man. I just... Why'd I get mixed up with that bitch? Because she got a great ass! And you got your head all the way up it! Ferocious, aren't I? When I think of asses, woman's ass, something comes out of me. That's been us talking about the Michael Mann movie Heat, and uh, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podomatic, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can also follow us on Twitter at Holmes Movies Pod. I'm also on Twitter at Fabricius91, F A B R I C I U S 91. And also, Adam is the Northampton Dane. That's right. I'm on Instagram as well. Look yeah. Me up. Um, Adam, yeah. Adam.h.f.homes. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. it. That's and about you, the size of it. Yeah. You can leave us a, re- a review on iTunes or, or Apple Podcasts. Well, you or should it. leave us a review on iTunes. A glowing review. And yeah. You, five stars, please. Nothing else. And you can also send us an email if you would, if you would like to homesmoviespodcast at gmail.com. We also have a blog. You can also check that out as well and listen, uh, not listen, read a few uh, reviews of films on there. There's like, New release review, uh, new releases, uh, film reviews for new releases, and also some what I usually do like films I, you know, films you should watch kind of yeah. reviews. Yeah, and I've done a few little bits and bobs there as well. They have been very undiligent, uh, so I'm just I'm just stop apologising for it now. I do that on every <laughs> podcast. Okay, shall we? Yeah. Okay. Gotta All go, right. Got to go rob that bank. Right. Exactly. What do you got? <laughs> Get in the van. <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much for listening to us. I've been Anders Holmes. Hoo ha! Hoo ha! Well, that's in the center. Oh, it doesn't matter. Fuck it. <laughs> Have a good day.